You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hey, everyone. You are joining me for episode 206 of the Blended Family Podcast, and I am going to be bringing you an amazing interview today that you're going to love, and we're going to be talking about how to have a healthy divorce and separation, and I know some of you are going through divorce right now, and some of you know people going through divorce right now, and some of you are way past that point, but even if you're past that point, this conversation is still going to help you because, let's face it, Divorce does not mean that is the end of the road, right? You still have to deal with that person uh, for a long time because you have kids together. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a really good interview. I'm not going to get through a lot of announcements today because it's a long interview. So I'm going to just do this very quickly. Uh, You will hear us in the conversation talking about FAIR.com, F-A-Y-R, which is a parenting communication platform. Now, I'm going to have him on the show to talk about what his product is because you will fall in love with it. I know you will. But right now, just for the sake of the show, you'll hear us mention it. You'll hear us talk about a promo code. So I just want to let you know, if you want to go check it out at fair.com, you can use the promo code blended, and that's going to give you 20% off of your subscription. But like I said, I know you don't even know what that is right now. You could certainly look it up, but we will be having fair on the podcast in the next few weeks or so, and you'll learn all about that. So I just wanted to let you know, blended, 20% off, and I will have that in the show notes for you as well. And as always, usually with my expert interviews, the first show of the month, we're going to have a little giveaway at the end of the show. So make sure that you stay tuned to the end, and I will announce the winner. And that's all I'm going to say today. Oh, and one more thing, actually. Uh, Why don't you join the mailing list? Because that is how you'll be automatically entered into win these giveaways. So if you're interested in that, it's blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. All right, that's all. Enjoy the show. So I'm really excited today to welcome Gabrielle Hartley to the show. She's a leading divorce attorney, mediator, coach, author, and speaker. Her new book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate by HarperCollins, is the first book of its kind to combine the life-changing healing wisdom of mindfulness, meditation, and yoga with practical advice and legal wisdom to get the reader through and beyond the divorce. It's amazing. Better Apart was named The Conscious Uncoupling How-To by People Magazine. She's also been featured throughout media channels, including The New York Times, The New York Post, Yoga Journal, and Mind Body Green. Gabrielle is the founder of Better Apart Divorce Coaching, Co-Parenting, and Mediation Services, as well as live and online class for individuals and professionals working with divorce. She speaks around the nation on radical self-care. In her practice, she's known for a unique, non-toxic approach to divorce that she developed over two decades in practice. 
Gabrielle is committed to smashing the divorce stigma. She served as court attorney for Judge Jeffrey Sunshine in New York City Matrimonial Court and is a member of the Association of the Bar of the City of New York and the Massachusetts Council on Family Mediation. She currently resides in Northampton, Massachusetts with her husband and three sons. Gabrielle, what a bio. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here because one of the messages that I always try to get across to my entire audience is to have a healthier divorce. And a lot of times, by the time people find me, it's a little bit too far past that. They've already maybe been through some toxic divorce issues and they're coming to me after things are a little bit of a mess. And I like that we're taking a more proactive approach with you and you're trying to nip this in the bud right away. So I'm really excited to have you here. Um, I'd like to give you an opportunity to just tell us a little bit more about you and maybe your history. I know you grew up in a blended family home. So let's talk about that first. So um, when I was nine and my brother was six, my parents split. We lived in Brooklyn, New York, um, and we had a shared custody arrangement, which is like pretty typical today. But in those days, really almost nobody did that. So it was like kind of considered weird. And um, my parents were like pretty braggy about like what amazing divorce people they were. And it wasn't until I clerked for the judge that I realized that in fact, they were pretty awesome. And, um, and I really wanted to bring forward to millions and millions of other people that the divorce doesn't need to define them. It doesn't need to be a war, um, you know, not to get trapped into the swirl and the chaos. And even more importantly, because sometimes, you know, you may be drawn to a, a narcissist or a really impossible ex and, and there's chaos and, you know, you might feel like you're a victim of their, of their sickness. But the reality of it is from no matter where you are, you have the radical power inside of yourself to manage your emotions, choose your actions, choose your responses and start to feel better. And that can happen even if your case is like, uh, it's out of control or you, you might have the sense of, oh, it's too late now. It is never too late. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Wow, that's amazing. So you had a pretty good experience of growing up with a divorce with your parents. Many of us have not. Um, well, I, I would say it was like great. I mean, it, it was, was better you know, than most. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, there was definitely a fair share of crying and drama, and you know, I have I've got my war stories. I wouldn't want to sugarcoat it, but it was you know, out of court. And I saw both of my parents every day and they were better than civil to each other. You know, it, right. it was good. Yes. I feel like I'm, I'm like one of the lucky ones. Well, good. And so then moving on into your personal life, as you became older, do you, did you personally go through a divorce yourself? Uh, I did not go through you a divorce. Not. I had lots of boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> I was like practically a, um, I was practically a, um, professional bridesmaid. I think I was avoiding getting married, you know, so I was like really involved in everyone else's life. Um, as a bridesmaid, like 15 times at which point I basically said to my friends, I was like, I don't, I don't want to flatter myself. I have no idea if any of you are asking, intending to ask me to be a bridesmaid, but like, um, I'm all set. Like, I'm not going to do that again. And, um, yeah, so, so I have not been divorced as an adult, but sometimes people, 
have asked me that, like, you know, well, you haven't been divorced. And I say, well, haven't I though? I mean, I have a different perspective. I, I personally changed houses every day for, from age 19, I mean, nine to 19. So, you know, I've definitely experienced what, what that looks like. And I've shared rooms with, you know, my father's girlfriend's daughters and my stepsister, you know, there's been lots and lots and lots of blended family issues that, um, I really had to grapple with. And in fact, when I met my husband who had been divorced, um, you know, at that time I felt like, Oh, I didn't know if I would be able to date him. I was about 32 years old if he had children. Cause I, I didn't feel like I was like ready to be a stepmom because I know how hard that is just because I, I always had a lot of compassion for my step parents. Um, and, um, you know, my husband didn't have children, but I, I, I do think now that I'm older and, you know, I've processed a lot, it's been, you know, that was a very, very long time ago. Um, now I feel like I could do it and I have so much respect for people, um, in that role because it's such a very, very hard place to be now, you know, walking that fine line between being the parent and not being the parent and not wanting to step on people's toes, but yet not wanting to be pushed around by the kids. I don't know. It's very complicated. And you just said your husband had kids when you met? He did not. He did not. He did not. Okay. He did not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was worried that, that he did. I was saying I wasn't, I wasn't ready at that time yeah. to be a stepmother. Like I just knew, like I hadn't processed my own experience enough with my stepfather, who I'm now incredibly close to. He was, he's like the greatest grandpa for my children. You know, I mean, it's life is long. That's the one thing I'll say, like for your audience who may be step parents or thinking about being step parents or dealing with step parents who they, you know, like their spouse's new person or whatever, like, you know, just, you know, that expression, like the choice between being kind or being right, always be Mm. kind because it's right. You know, it's like, I know that's so trite, but it's, it's so true because I could say personally that, um, I'm really glad that I, that I acted respectful to my step parents, um, because I now have very good relationships, um, actually with all of them, like my dad's ex-girlfriends, I'm like Facebook friends with many, many women who are like 20 to 25 years older than I am now, which is kind of funny. He doesn't talk to anymore, but. <laughs> so, so you didn't have a terrible, terrible experience growing up and you didn't have a divorce, um, of your own as an adult. So what really prompted you to get into your current line of work? Talk about that a little bit, how that came to be. So that's a very interesting question because to be honest, when I went to law school, I was like, I wanted to take family law pass fail. I did. I took corporate finance for a grade and I took family law pass fail because I was like, I am like so done with this topic, right? But I had to sit through the class and I felt very passionate about the, um, about the topic. I mean, the, the way that the other law students were answering questions. I felt like lacked a lot of insight because it happened to be that where I went to school, there weren't many people who had either divorced parents or who had divorced Mm -hmm. parents who did it well. And, um, I found that like troubling. And then as a practitioner, you know, when you're, when you're a lawyer, you're supposed to be a zealous advocate, right? So you're supposed to work for your client's best interest, but there's, there is no ethical line in, in any, um, in anything that says, you know, taking into account the collateral damage you may be, um, causing, right? So like I, I actually teach a, a course called, um, zealous advocacy in the context of family law. Right. And then I worked for so many lawyers drag the other person's 
spouse through the mud with the goal of of winning the case, but I was always aware that there's really no win here, especially when there are kids. And even when there aren't kids, people don't want to look back on their life and well, most people don't want to look back on their life and feel like they wasted their life or that everything was a lie. And people certainly don't want their children to be ruined, you know, to feel bad about themselves. And by constantly stirring the pot, the way the system is set up and the way so much media is still set up, although there are some positive shows now, um, storylines that we've moved past War of the Roses. Um, I, I just think that divorce still lives in the shadows. There's so much stigma. People feel so much shame and the system perpetuates it. And given my professional and personal perspective, I really want to bring forward the idea that there is a better way and you can grow from your divorce, feel better, and your kids don't have to feel less than, which is something I really struggled with. You know, people would talk about like my broken home, which is, you know, even now when I'm in the court, sometimes the judge will say, oh, do you want the kids ping-ponging between the houses? And I, I say, excuse me, Your Honor, you know, I, I would prefer that you reframe that as flowing between the houses. And you might say, oh, well, that's just words, but words have power. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So that's a pretty amazing story of how you came into all this. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. And this is actually the first book to combine advice from a lawyer and have mindfulness techniques from a yoga expert. So I want to know, like, why did you decide to combine that? Because I think that's very, very interesting and groundbreaking, really. So let's talk about your book a little bit. Okay, that's it's so funny because, like, for me, they just always went hand in hand. I grew up practicing yoga with my parents in, like, the 70s, and then I got back into it in the 90s um, on my own when I was in my 20s, and I became a divorce lawyer and a divorce clerk. And to me, slowing down and feeling grounded and finding space and peace and patience um, is, like, the only way you can really move through adversity. So, like, for me, this was such a logical linking. Now, the... um, uh, agents and publicists didn't necessarily agree with that, you know, right off the bat, you know, I got, I have like a, you know, the, the wall of shame of all my rejections, but right. (laughs) But, but the thing is there, they are so well linked with each other because you really can't have peace if you're not able to make space, if you're not able to get clear. And I I don't know if if you've had the opportunity um, to go through the book, the book just provides a really nice framework um, through five essential elements, which are patience, respect, clarity, peace, and forgiveness. And forgiveness is all about compassion. And and all of those themes are about you, um, self-care, self-respect. It's not like Oh, am I supposed to respect that person? No, of course not. You know, but you have to, you you need to find a way to respect yourself again, even though you might have lived in some adverse situation with them. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So um, let's actually talk a little bit. I, a couple of things that you just said. Um, the first thing I want to zero in on is forgiveness because. I know for me personally, when I went through my divorce, forgiveness was a really big key. In fact, before I had forgiveness in my heart, I was kind of a very bitter, angry person. I was 
very upset. I would cry every day. And I just, mm. just felt this incredible, it, it's poisonous inside. It really mm-hmm. is. It just mm-hmm. feels like that. And finally, one day I made the decision and really that's what it was. It was just, I don't know if people understand that you can actually make a decision to forgive. And it doesn't mean that you forget everything that that person did. It just means for yourself, you're taking that weight off of you. You're dropping that that baggage. Um, and I want you to talk about that a little bit because I know that you focus on that a lot in your book. Yeah. So like you basically just summarized my book, (laughs) but like, cause you have the power. Thank you. So, so I'm going to say in less good words than you just said. So, you know, there's that expression. No, seriously, like you get it. That is it, right? Like you have the freaking power. We all have so much power in us, uh, us. And we all also live with these terrible, sometimes inner narratives of who we are, what happened to us. We are victims. And, and, and it's not, not just victimy people. We're, we're all like that. He did this to me. She did this to me. And that may all be true, but holding on to anger is like literally, as you just said, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So like you need to think about how is this anger serving you? Now it may be at the beginning of a breakup when you feel like you're just going to like curl up in the fetal position and you want to die, getting angry might actually serve a a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. To like keep you able to like function. But once you're, you are sort of recalibrated and you're feeling functional enough, um, you can really release the anger and make space for good things. Cause you, you know, we only have a finite amount of energy and daylight in our days and in our life. Right. And so if we're occupying that space with negative thoughts and negative activities and negative speech, then that's what our day is. I mean, that's such a like unbelievably mind boggling concept, right? So like if someone wrongs you, you might want to get back at them, but then you have to think about like, what is that going to do for you? How's that, how's that going to feed your day? And I'm certainly not suggesting that you like let yourself continuously be walked all over by a person. You have to be smart and make choices that move you forward. But but to that end, in terms of choosing to forgive, like for me, I, I had a situation with a very good girlfriend who I felt treated me really badly, and I was extremely upset about it. And um, and we couldn't, we never. I tried to address it. She really wouldn't engage, and I sort of like just would obsess about it a lot. And then I'm going to say it's like embarrassing, but maybe two or three years into my thinking about it, I just decided I'm going to forgive myself for not being able to just let this go. And I'm going to forgive her for not being able to say, I'm sorry to, to not, I'm going to forgive her for not acknowledging, or maybe not even seeing what she did. And I'm just going to love her and we're just going to move forward. And, you know, and she's part of a, a larger group of friends and I've been friends with this person for a long time. And like, once I did that, I wasn't, I didn't feel it anymore. I just like, I made the decision. I know that. And that's like what you were saying. Like when it's truly a choice. And the weirdest thing is after I did that, I saw her shortly thereafter and she, for the first time brought it up and she said, I don't know whatever happened back then. And I was thinking, well, I know what happened. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't forget all the way. It's like, I don't forget, but it's an, it's now a memory. It's not a feeling. 
Wow. And I really love what you said about forgiving yourself too, because we all mostly think like, I'm going to forgive that person or I'm not going to forgive that person. But that is true. Like, especially after a divorce, can we forgive ourselves for maybe any part that we played in the divorce or any part that we played in not taking care of our own selves during the divorce, which is really important. or people who are married, like, you know, I don't know if you're listening, if you have listeners who are step parents who haven't been divorced, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, how you comport yourself or how you don't comport yourself. I mean, so much, and I think maybe this goes for men too, but I feel like women, we, we tend to be so hard on ourselves. Like we're sort of raised to be caretakers, but we're also supposed to be strong and self-confident and, and it's so hard. It's just hard. Life is freaking hard, right? There's like, there, there's so many opportunities to second guess choices or actions or failing to make a choice or failing to take an action. And so forgiving ourselves for being human is a really great one to do. Like I'm a person, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things I always focus on is looking at things from another person's perspective. And you just said that we mm. probably have a lot of stepmoms. We do. We have a lot of blended families that are married right now, but there's a lot of step parents that are having trouble forgiving their partner's ex about things that maybe the ex is doing or has previously done. And that's another big one here that sometimes people forget to look at things from the ex's perspective. Um, because I always tell people there's, there's always three sides to every story, right? His hers and the truth or hers, hers and the truth. I don't care. I've even, I've I've even heard that there's five sides. There's like the elemental truth. There's the soup of it in the air. I mean, there's, there's just so many ways. And I'll tell you what, when I got married to my husband, this is like totally personal. Like my husband will probably kill me for sharing this, but okay. Um, but, (laughs) but like, you know, he had been divorced and I never really got the, like they got divorced because they were really good friends. That was the point I got. Like they, it wasn't like that kind of relationship, you know, it wasn't romantic enough in his mind or in their mind. And on the day of my marriage, I actually felt really mad at my husband and I wasn't a blended family. I mean, I had their dog, right? but like, it's really hard because I was mad at him, not for anything he had done to me. I was mad at him for her. Yeah. It's just, it's complicated. It's all hard, you know? And then like, you know, but that, but now like she's totally happy with someone who's like a much better fit. It it all works out, but it's just, um, just forgiveness is, is the biggest gift you can give yourself. It is the best. And forgiving yourself for not being able to forgive is, has been a lifesaver for me. Yeah, that's a wonderful tip. Uh, I want to move on a little bit now to self-care because I know, uh, that's almost a part of self-care, right? The forgiveness piece, but self-care is really, really important um, throughout divorce because divorce is incredibly difficult and even years following your divorce can be incredibly difficult. So let's talk about self-care a little bit and how important you think it, and I know you think it's important because you focus <laughs> in, and in the book. So talk about that. I, I focus on it in the book and I actually, I talk you know, to mediators, to life coaches, to people going through divorce. That's like my... My um, signature talk is about radical self-care, and I talk about it in the context of the five elements, but briefly, self-care is all about deeply engaging with your own needs, okay? So yes, a spa day, uh, uh, exercising, eating well, drinking water, you know, taking 20 minutes for, for yourself every day, sitting up you know, at the end of your 
edge of your bed before you're getting up in the morning and taking a couple of deep nourishing breaths and doing that maybe at your desk chair in the afternoon too. That's all self-care and and that's all important. But but what I really want to talk about is the idea of stepping away from the blame victim cycle and opening your mind up to the visionary forward-moving cycle because it's so easy, especially when you're going through the divorce, to just be focused on that myopic view of what's happening right now. And you're wasting your life, right? Like we all do it. So I'm not criticizing, but I'm just pointing out, I think noticing where you want more or what you want different, and then visualizing what that is on a really granular level, that's going to be where you're going to derive excitement and energy, and you're going to bring your true essence to the front. Wow. And so you you work with people doing all this and helping them with all of these challenges. So I know you offer both mediation and coaching services. So tell us about each of those. Uh, I, I know they're different. So talk about yeah. those a little bit. So coaching is really, I do coaching in a couple of different ways. I do one-to-one coaching Typically, people stay with me for three months, and then maybe they have a refresher to get them through whatever, wherever they're stuck, and to move beyond it and start seeing their themselves and their lives differently with uh, with lots and lots of exercises. So that's one thing that I do. But for people who can't afford that time-wise or money-wise, uh, I am pushing out um, a really nice course, um, which is called Optimized Living Through and Beyond Your Divorce, which is based on Better Apart. And that is 12 nice little modules followed up with written materials, and there'll be opportunities for group calls too that'll be much more affordable. Um, and that will be available if you want to sign on um, through my website at gabriellehartley.com. Just opt in where it says five steps to a peaceful separation, and that will put you on the list for when um, for when that course is ready. Um, I'm also going to be launching a co-parenting course which is going to be filled with wonderful tips about how to co-parent and things to concentrate on and decisions, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to navigate them. Um, and a lot of this material, at least the start of the material is all in my book, better apart, which is available online and in stores. Um, but, and then the other thing that I do, which I've been doing forever is mediation. And I do that online all over the country. That is just, if you and your partner or your ex are looking to resolve your entire case, or you're just having a difference of opinion and you need some sort of decision to be made in a meaningful way, I offer online and in-person mediation where I'm the neutral. I do not advise as to law, but I help to bring you to a memorandum of understanding that you can then um, create a separation agreement with depending upon where you're located. 
That is truly amazing. And for the listeners, I'm going to add all of those links into the show notes. So in case you can't write anything down right now, um, we'll be I'll be putting in how to join her newsletter and stay in touch because her special program is coming out this summer that she was just talking about. And I want to make sure that you all have an opportunity to get that as soon as it's available. And I'll come back in the summer and talk about it. But for now, if you join her newsletter, you'll make sure that you stay in the loop. Um, So the next thing I want to talk about, because you were just talking about co-parenting, and co-parenting is one of the biggest challenges that I face Mm. on a daily basis in my group uh, with my listeners. Everybody is having such issues in the co-parenting department, and sometimes it's with the ex, right? We, we can't co-parent with our ex. That's pretty normal. But a lot of times we have it within the blended family that two parents can't co-parent because they've both kind of come from a different background, a different upbringing and started their family. It's so hard. Yeah. Yep. So give us some there's tips different about rules. that. There's different rules. I mean, I think a really, really important thing is that everyone stay in their lane and everyone's just clear about it, right? Like for instance, when I grew up, my stepsister, who I'm very good friends with now, we're about the same age, we, and we met, we were like 9 and 10 or 10 and 11 or whatever, um, she was given a lot more cash than I was given. She had a lot of freedom. She just, her whole, she was parented completely different than I was, differently. And I really did not like that. And I was kind of, you know, picture a teenage girl. That's how I was about it. It wasn't fair. She had this and that. And, and my mother had her opinions about everything. And like, basically what was always made clear to me is like, that's her mother and I'm your mother and I make these choices and her mother makes those choices, which she thinks are good for her. And when you grow up one day, you'll make your own choices. And what I think is so fabulous to me is like the proof is in the pudding because she and I, my stepsister and I are very, very, very close friends now. And in fact, her mother just recently passed away and everyone went to the funeral. And, you know, it's just, you just have to remember that like life is long, but it's also short. And a lot of the things that we get bogged down on are not as important as they feel Mm -hmm. in the moment. Um, a lot of the idea, and it really depends, like I could give maybe better nuggets with, um, specific questions, but the whole idea of it's not fair, you know, that's, that's a really good life lesson. And I think in, in our generation raising children, we are, we, we tend to be a little more helicoptery and protective mm-hmm. of our kids. And we want, we have this really big desire for them to always feel good. Right. Cause our generation tends to have been yeah. ignored a bit more. Um, and maybe you have some younger listeners, so I don't know if that would apply, you know, but for those of us who are, what are we, Gen X, right? Um, um, yeah, you know, it's really, it's hard. I think we have a harder time blending families because we want our kids to be so happy and feel so heard and listened to and all of that. Um, but I think that a little bit of adversity is okay for the kids. And I, and I also think that, um, recognizing what you can and cannot control is going to be the best thing to guide you forward. Yeah. So when you when it comes to your line of work, especially with mediation and things, what do you see tends to be maybe the biggest issue that two parents can't agree upon? Oh gosh, there's so many. I know there's a lot. I know. <laughs> School medication. Um, medication is a big one. You know, for ADHD and that kind yeah. of thing. 
um, or like extracurriculars, you know, practicing, you know, instruments or, or attending, you know, sports. Extracurriculars is a really big one. Um, you know, a, a lot of times when people have little kids, a lot of moms feel that the dads, I mean, this is so gendered and, but I'm just saying what I hear, you know, I'm not saying that this mm-hmm. is the case necessarily, but a lot of moms complain that the dads don't watch enough. You know, they're not on them. They worry about safety a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have different opinions about like how important school is. And, you know, that pe- I mean, people are different. That's part of the reason why they separated. So a lot of it is just like radical acceptance. And, and you know what, those of us who are married, we have to do that too. It's for, you know, remember married people are typically not always in concert on all things either. Right. Like if 50% of all people are getting divorced, which is by the way, still a true, um, statistic 50 ish percent, then you've got to think there's like some big set of married people who are thinking about getting divorced. Then there's a whole set of married people who are not thinking about getting divorced, who are really struggling. And then there's like a little tiny set of people who like just get along perfectly. Right. So like, I think also normalizing the fact that this co-parenting thing is hard Maybe we'll make it a little bit easier. It's just, it is hard. There's not an answer. And and one thing I can say totally, um, with, like with complete certainty, is because I have practiced law in various places and because now I spend so much time with divorce lawyers and mediators all across the United States, what I know is that the laws are different everywhere. So what does that tell you? Oh, well, gosh. I mean, the laws are different everywhere. Every, everything's going to be handled a different way in every place. And are people that different? Like if you moved right now from where you live across the country, are you, gonna, are you and your kids going to have totally different needs? No, everybody's no. dealing with the same issues. Exactly. Which is why just the knowing that there's no right resolution for things is, I, I find that liberating. Like there is no objective right way to handle things. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's why you're able to help people in mediation realize that some of these issues everybody's struggling with, that that people aren't alone, and that there are ways to handle these things. You know, I always think, is something so important, right? We have to look at, is this a battle that is important enough to fight out? Are the kids in danger? Are they being harmed? Or is it just a case of, you know, mom or dad's not making them brush their teeth regularly enough, and that makes me so angry, but is it worth a fight? Because that was happening to me, and there were some little things like that. like Well, the- teeth brushing, you could actually, like, lose custody for teeth brushing. Really? But anyway, well, that, that's interesting. Is, yeah, and, or, like, getting your kids to school late, that's a really, really, really big one. Well, I'm like, talking about, like, if the kids are, like, I'm not talking about if they're too young to be able to handle these things on their own. I understand um, that certain things are a big argument. What right. I found after years of arguing with my ex about bedtime rules and uh-huh. cell phone rules and brushing teeth and, and co- no coffee, no candy kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've I heard finally, all of that. Yeah, I finally Can't- put the responsibility on my kids. And I, I, I knew that it wasn't worth the argument with him anymore and that he wasn't going to change on my behalf. So I put right. the responsibility on the kids and said, look, these are your teeth. This is your body. You need mm-hmm. to keep it healthy. And here's what's going to happen if you don't. And I tried to make them kind of learn on their own because sometimes you're just 
just not going to get the other parent to bend on some of those smaller issues. And of course, everybody's opinion is different, whether it's a big issue or a small issue. I know some people make a really, really um, major deal over something small, but that's their opinion. That's their perspective on it. Um, but I always favored on like, if it's going to be, if it's going to hurt my kids in any way, I'm going to have to say something. But if it's not that big of a deal, I'm going to let this one go because it's not worth the argument. Pick your battles. That's right. That's a very important one. Pick your battles. You know, and we do have to be careful. Although I, I, I would do the exact same thing as you with, um, putting responsibility on the kids, especially in your things where it sounds like your perspective was like, just correct. You know, the, there's a lot, I'm just saying like for your audience, having, putting your children ever in the role of being the parent, the other parent could always run to court and complain about that. Um, cause there's a thing called the parentified child, which most of us growing up in divorce houses are mm-hmm. right. Um, but just, I would just be careful about that. Okay. That's, that's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. And mm-hmm. when talking about conflict and struggles, when you get into these battles with your ex, whether it's about co-parenting or child support or whatever issue you're having, um, give us some tips on how to deal with conflict and how to resolve things when you're not available. Let's say somebody can't just call you and have things mediated. What are some tips yeah. on how to you know, resolve things in a peaceful manner? Okay. So, so first, the first thing I'm going to say, which is, I'm going to get to to answer that, but I wanted to say a, a minute ago is I, so I was just on this panel in Southern California over the weekend, um, where they were asking mediators like tips for clients, right? It was on, a, it was a podcast breaking free, the modern divorce podcast. Um, that, that was their episode. So, so, and, and I think this goes for peace. So I would say as a general proposition, you always want to listen intently to what your ex wants. So let me clarify that a little bit. So like, I can't tell you how many times I hear the people say, oh, all all he cares about is money. All the rest of this is bullshit. Part of my language, you know, all they care about is, is money, right? Well, they might care about money, but I, I bet there's more to this person than that. You probably wouldn't have married them if that was truly all they cared about. So like, what else do they want? Get, listen, listen more than you want to listen, because the more you listen, the more you're going to get from them what you want, not because they're giving and not in all cases. If you have someone who's a total narcissist, no, they're just going to take whatever they can. But like, not everybody's really a narcissist. I know when we're getting divorced, everyone feels like a narcissist, you know, among divorce lawyers, we all say that, right? Everybody's an obsessive compulsive narcissist. Um, but, but the reality of it is by being really a militant listener, and finding the space to give what they want, you're going to get a lot more. Now, to answer your question about how do you find peace when you're feeling really triggered, um, there's some really simple things that you can do. Um, and I'm just I'm, I'm just thinking about where it, it really works into patience, right? So to get, so, so what is peace? First of all, so peace is not rainbows and unicorns. Peace is neutrality, right? Peace is like feeling okay. Like you don't want to blow your head off, right? You're like, <laughs> all right. I, right. So, so to get to that place, what you need to do is make space. Okay. So how are you going to make space? Well, there's a, a variety of ways, you know, maybe you're going to hop onto calm or headspace or some, meditation app, which if, if you could really like give yourself the 10 minutes to do it, you might find it to be incredibly calming because while you're doing it, you're, you are only going to listen to the sounds of your breath 
and to the words that the that the leader person is giving you. Now, let's say you don't even want to do that. You just need to take a break because remember, when when we're triggered, our thinking brain is co-opted by our emotional brain and we're going to say things and do things we don't mean and that we will regret. So we need to bring our emotional charge down. And in the heat of the moment, there's some easy things you can do, like taking three deep breaths in through your nose, hold it at the top and breathing out through pursed lips for a count of five. Do that. Takes three minutes, you know, do it three to five times. That's going to calm you down. If that doesn't work, distract yourself. Like literally go read a book, meet a friend, go, you know, meet a friend who has their own problems and just listen to, to their problems. You know, go, go to the grocery store, get, go buy yourself a flower, just do something to distract yourself, to bring the charge down. Um, you know, they say not to go to bed angry, but I, but I'm going to also say, but don't have the conversation when you're at a 10 because it's not going to go anywhere. Another thing you can do, I don't know, are you familiar with Amy Cuddy and her power poses? I have heard of it, yes. Okay, so she's amazing. She has a TED Talk that was watched like 46 million times, literally. Um, And she does these power poses, which give you a greater sense of strength and power. There's like a whole controversy as to whether the cortisol level really changes, but it doesn't really matter. So you, you stand on your hips like Superman or Wonder Woman. And you puff up your chest and you look up to the sky or you stand like a starfish reaching your hands um, above your head with your legs spread apart, reaching your, your chest up. And you just do those breaths in and out for a count of 10. And when you, when you, when you stop, you, you're just going to feel a little bit calmer and you're going to have a little bit more space. And then you need to remember that there are always many ways to look at something. So if you're stuck on your way of looking at it, I mean, that's what the exercises in my book will also get at, like just recognizing the different vantage points. Yeah. Most of what comes at us has nothing to do with us. So let me ask you this. So let's say you're doing everything that you can do. You're practicing mindfulness and meditation and you're trying to stay in peace, but you have an ex that won't stop coming at you. No matter how calm you try to be, no matter what you try to do, this ex is just out to get you and they won't stop attacking, attacking, attacking. What is your advice? So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to sign on for, there's an app called FAIR, F-A-Y-R, FAIR.com. And, um, you're going to do all your communications through that. And you're going to even get that put into a court order. It's like a hundred bucks a year or something like that. 200 for the two of you. Um, and I actually have a code I could give you for that also. Yeah, that would be great. Um, you don't have to get it right now, but listeners, I'll add that link as well in the show notes with the promo code. Yeah. And so, um, And so, yeah, so FAIR is a great app which can totally get you away from direct communication. Just say, contact me through FAIR. Everything is stored there in real time and you can print it all up. It's much better than texting Mm. because it's it's there, you know, in the hyperspace. Um, If texting isn't your thing, if you're not, if you're no longer scheduling or communicating that often, but you feel like the person is just emailing you too much, you can, um, 
designate a separate email just for them and just say, I'm going to open this once a day for 20 minutes. I don't, don't give me more than 20 minutes of content. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's too much once a week, you know, whatever you need given your circumstances. But I love these third party providers. Yeah, I think it minimizes some of the damage that can happen when two people that are at odds try to communicate. Here's a, a really important question. Is it ever too late to start practicing a healthy divorce? Let's say, I know no. that's, okay, good. Cause that's what I was going <laughs> to ask you. I know never, some never too late. Today is the first day of the rest of your family's life. Good. Never too late. So as I told you in the beginning, my, um, stepmother, I mean, my stepfather's ex-wife just recently passed away and they did not have a great divorce. And when she was dying, my mother said, and my mother and my stepfather have been married a very long time, you know, he seemed like depressed. And I said, bring him to her. And, you know, you, you know, that it's not like they had a great relationship after, but they got to have their goodbyes, you know, and they got to, to have whatever last words that were to be shared between them. And, and there's people, you know, what if you don't talk, you get divorced, your kids are two and four. Well, guess what? Eventually those kids are going to get married and have babies and you're all going to want to be with those grandbabies for Thanksgiving. Right. And like, you just, if over time, just always allow the space that things can be okay. Because even if your ex is a narcissist or, you know, something's short of a real, you know, a, a, somebody with a really serious personality disorder. If you have very strong boundaries, you can still be in their space without allowing them to get into you. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because the healthier divorce that we have, the better it is for our children who are watching and, and they're around us. And like you said, there's going to be events and things coming up that you will need to share the space. And why create an area of tension when it's supposed to be maybe a special event? So for the listeners who have been struggling maybe for even years with your ex and with the divorce that you had, there's always hope to move forward. Now, Gabrielle, I want to talk a little bit more about you do um, buy divorce retreats, which is the best you ever divorce retreats. Talk about that because that sounds really interesting to me. Oh my God. It's the most amazing thing ever. And I hope we can figure out a great location to do in New York City because we have it. We're scheduled to do it in the fall. Um, I had this idea um, and I was on a podcast with Susan Guthrie and Rebecca Zung who have this divorce podcast, uh, Breaking Free Divorce. And when we were hanging up, I was like, hey, you guys, I really want to do a positive divorce retreat for people. There's nothing happening and we need it. And they were like, oh my God, I want to do that too. And so we created the best you ever divorce retreat. And it was, it, it could not have been better. It was amazing. First of all, we did it in a beautiful space. We, we kicked off the day with yoga and meditation. And then we had speakers. We had a live podcast. We had a, um, there was a dating after divorce study that was, um, discussed and a live Q and a from the audience. And there was lunch and breakfast. And it was just, it was such a good day that we have had such incredible feedback from the participants. Um, I think people got inspiration, education, and actual real connection with each other, which is incredible. So if you head over 
and sign up on gabriellehartley.com, you will also receive information as to when the next buy divorce retreat will be. It's intended to be happening in the fall, probably in mid to late October in New York City. Next, it will make its way to Chicago and also Florida is on, um, is on our schedule. Well, that's amazing. When you come to Florida, let me know, and I will definitely try to join in on that. That would be amazing. We had a lot of really cool people. This last one, I had a guest um, who I've interacted with from Australia. We had someone from Canada. I mean, people really traveled. It was amazing. It was amazing. Sorry. (laughs) It it sounds amazing. And I just love that there's people in the divorce and co-parenting space that are trying to do important work uh, because it's so, so important for our future generation, for everybody. Um, We're coming across the end of our time, Gabrielle. I was just going to say, if if any of your listeners are in New York and that sounds interesting for them, if anyone is interested in being a sponsor, they should definitely contact me. We are looking for sponsors. We try to keep the price for that full day to be, you know, it's not inexpensive, but it's affordable. We try to keep it at about $200 for the full day, including both meals and all the um, activities. And it's, it's very expensive to run. So if you had any listeners who were interested in helping to sponsor that sort of thing, that would be fantastic. Excellent. They should just email you then? Just email me. You could contact me through my website or my email is, um, you could just do Gabrielle at GabrielleHartley.com. That's great. That's great. Everybody uh, support Gabrielle and what she's doing. Now, before we go, Gabrielle, I just wanted you to maybe offer us some last words of encouragement or advice to the listeners. Yeah. So just remember this moment in time is not reflective of your life. These are just your circumstances and they are just your circumstances through the eyes, through the vision that you have right now. And what I would encourage you to do is grab a piece of paper and a pen and maybe dim the lights a little, take a few breaths and spend three or five minutes just getting really granular and anything you'd like to change, write down your wish list, pick one aspect of your life that you'd like to be different and write it down and keep going back to that list and back to that list. And over time, you can really shift your reality. Wow. I absolutely love you and I love your advice. And I hope that you come back on the show soon so we can talk about this topic again. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Wonderful. And for the listeners, make sure you check out the show notes for everything that we talked about, including information about her divorce retreats, about her coaching, her mediation, her book, and uh, definitely that new program that's coming out in the summer. Sign up for her mailing list. And it's, uh, what is it, Gabrielle? GabrielleHartley.com? That's it. GabrielleHartley.com. GabrielleHartley.com. I hope you enjoyed, everybody. We'll see you next time. I hope you guys really enjoyed that interview with Gabrielle. Make sure you support her, check her out. Everything there is in the show notes for you. But as promised, we have a giveaway today and I'm giving away a copy of Gabrielle's book, Better Apart. It is such a fantastic read. So the winner today is going to be Ellen Rossi. Ellen, congratulations. I will be emailing you to arrange shipping on that. And once again, if anyone wants to be entered into these drawings that I have once a month, all you need to do is join the list at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. Have a great week.
You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.